This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome to the Drill Down. We've got the business stories behind Stocks on a Move. I'm Corey Johnson, and on September 28th, we've got episode 105. Well, just ahead, another electric vehicle maker facing allegations, fake customers, and fake orders. Plus, GoGo surprises us with a positive outlook for private air travel. And Zoom Info has a deep learning algorithm to help every kind of business find customers ready to buy. It's a fascinating story of using artificial intelligence in sales with the CEO of Zoom Info, Henry Shuck. But first, it's sponsor time. The Drill Down is brought to you by Era. Never miss another critical event or insight ever with Era. Customize your company watch list and track key events, mentions, filings, and more, all within an easy-to-use, customizable interface. That's ERA, A-I-E-R-A dot com. And we would love to know how you listen to the Drill Down podcast. Isaac, did you know our friend uh, has a little dog named Sassy? And every day Sassy goes for a walk in Queens, Micah listens to the show. That is just wonderful. So I wonder, <laughs> when does everyone else listen Sassy? to the show? It's well, Micah's this is, dog. Oh, Micah. Wow, Micah so, Rondo. Yeah. And he's listening to the show every day when he takes Sassy for a walk. When do you listen to the podcast? Let us know on Twitter. We're curious about your drill down habits. So hit us up at Drill Down Pod. Good to hear from Micah. And the drill down is brought to you by the Brain, Brain Trust, a global talent network that matches highly skilled technical freelancers with the world's most reputable brands. Brain Trust has helped clients like Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Porsche, Under Armour, and more build agile tech teams fast at a fraction of the cost. Visit Braintrust.com, that's B-R-A-I-N-T-R-U-S-T.com to learn more. All right, I'm Corey Johnson. Welcome to The Drill Down. We've got business stories behind Stocks and Move, and we have the three most important developments in the world of business today. Isaac, what are those? Corey, let's start with uh, Elizabeth Warren, the senator from Massachusetts. Today, blasting Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell, Senator Warren pointing to Powell's financial regulation track record and saying that she would not support him if the White House renominates him, calling him a, quote, dangerous man to head up the Fed. Dangerous. Mr. Dangerous. She used the word dangerous. Mr. Powell's term as head of the central bank ends in early 2022. Next, let's get to home prices. Home price growth in the U.S. climbed to a new record in July amid a shortage of homes for sale. The S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller National Home Price Index rising 19.7% in the year that ended in July. That's up from an 18.7% annual rate the prior month. In fact, July marked the highest annual rate of price growth since the index began in 1987, a phrase I feel like I've been saying a lot the last couple months, but price growth ha is slowing slightly in three of the 20 cities tracked by the index, and that would be in Detroit, Cleveland, and Washington, D.C. Yeah, uh, interesting what's happening in Washington, D.C., where people, it's a, it is a city in particular hit by people working from home and leaving the city because they don't have to be there to work anymore. That's right. And finally, let's get to Ford. Ford is accelerating its bet on electric vehicles. This includes the company planning to build its first new U.S. 
assembly plant in decades, along with three battery factories. In total, it's a combined $11.4 billion investment with SK Innovation that would create 11,000 new jobs. Yeah, and this on the same day they've announced a recall of a bunch of their first electric vehicles for fear that the acceleration was so excessive that it might actually rip the roof off or the sunroof off of these cars. So some and the windshields. So some uh, uh, big developments though showing that they are all in on electric yeah. vehicles. EV future. Corey, what stocks you're drilling down on today? Hyzon Motors. Hyzon Motors. I've never heard of Hyzon Motors. It trades under HYZN and shares tumbled 27% today. What's going on with Hyzon Motors? Yeah, Hyzon Motors had a $2 billion, better than $2 billion valuation yesterday. Uh -huh. Not so much today. Uh, the company based in Rochester, New York, uh -huh. a place from which I hail, um, uh, was the subject of a report from a uh, a business investigation by a company called Blue Orca, by a hedge fund called Blue Orca. Blue Orca was short the stock, and uh -huh. they warned they are short the stock, so you shouldn't believe anything they say because they're short the stock. They say you also, they're biased. They say so is Hyzon biased. So the investment banks that have promoted Hyzon as being biased. So mm -hmm. they say they're biased, and yet, here's what they say they found. They found that the largest customer is fake-looking, direct quote, a Chinese shell entity that was formed three days before their deal uh, announcing they were going to order 1,500 trucks by 2026 from Hyzon. It was going to be Hyzon's uh, second largest customer. And well, Hyzon, pardon me, Hyzon makes electric cars. Are they intend yes, I'm to? sorry. I should back up saying that they make electric, electric cars and, and electric vehicles. And uh, Hyzon uh, uh, announced this, this company, but Blue Orca started uh, kicking the tires. See what I did there? Oh, I like that. Yeah, that was At good. their largest customer. Found out the largest customer came into existence just three days before the deal was announced at least according to Blue Orca. Uh, then they checked into their largest customer, Haringa, a company in New Zealand. And according to Blue Orca, when they got Haringa on the phone, Haringa said that they're just a channel partner, not a customer, that they wouldn't be buying any vehicles from Hyzon. Um, huh. and, that, uh, and that that was a problem. Also, the Blue Orca noting that uh, a bunch of customers they got a lot of buzz from the company when they announced their SPAC deal taking it public when Heisen went public recently. Companies like Coca-Cola, Ikea, Total, uh, Heineken, as top-tier customers and partners, haven't been mentioned since. I did go back to the website and go through all their investor presentations. Interestingly, the investor presentations the company's made of late, it's just the CEO talking in front of the backdrop of a, an image of a, an electric truck. No uh, slideshows like they had offered during the SPAC. Now, at a Morgan Stanley conference on September 15th, the CEO, Craig Knight, who I will point out, does not have a Rochester accent, which isn't necessarily a pretty accent. I'm sorry to my people. Yeah, isn't that a good thing? Isn't that a plus? He has an Australian accent. Indeed, if you go on the LinkedIn side, I went into the LinkedIn for Hyzon and looked where they were hiring. And I didn't see them hiring anybody in Rochester. They're hiring in suburban Illinois, which is where their head of investor relations, public relations is. They're hiring in Australia. But I didn't see any hiring in Rochester. Nonetheless, here is CEO at Onor and Honeyway Falls, where they say they're expanding a facility there. But here is CEO Craig Knight talking about their uh, production promises of 85 vehicles that they're going to get to. And I thought it was uh, interesting. You, I'm not going to uh, uh, prejudge what you, how much you believe about his own confidence in hitting the numbers of what they thought they would do. But uh, here is indeed what uh, Craig Knight on September 15th said this company was going to do. Um, so we'll be supplying into um, a number of different countries and four different continents. Um, we haven't 
shared too much of the news around that, but we absolutely expect to ship at least, you know, 85 vehicles to match plan uh, for this year. It's obviously been a little challenging with supply chains the way they are, and we've had to do a fair amount of juggling and early ordering and all that sort of thing. Um, but we we doing we do plan to to ship at least that many vehicles. I will say the geography mix plays into you know average revenue per unit and margins and whatever. So not everything will go to plan for us, but we still plan to ship at least that many vehicles. Not everything will go to plan, but they still plan. Well, they didn't have much to say about the plans today. Uh, they did, in fact, come out and say that there were inaccuracies in the short seller the the short seller report but they didn't say what those inaccuracies were. They were going to investigate. Uh, they did, in fact, yesterday put out a LinkedIn post of bad timing saying, communication and transparency are fundamental on our road to success, but offering no uh, uh, communication or transparency under the accusations from Blue Orca, at least for today. I will say we reached out to the company and did invite the CEO on. No response yet, but uh, hope springs eternal with our hopes to talk to Hyzon. Come on in, eyes on the water's warm. Corey, what is your next drill down? I want to look at Sand Ridge Energy. Sand Ridge trades under SD. Shares fell today, but they've gained over 686% over the past 12 months. Uh, something's been okay the last year. What's going on with Sand Ridge today? Yeah, not the biggest oil and gas company, but with a $700, billion, $700 million dollar equity valuation for Sandridge. Um, I thought it was a perfect company to look at today because um, natural gas prices uh, have been going crazy. Natural gas prices are the highest they have been in seven years today, uh, uh, well over uh, $6 uh, per um, MCF. So uh, uh, interesting, you know, at the same time, we've got uh, the in current inventory, there's no shortage of natural gas in the world. But right now, there is a shortage of coal and oil and natural gas in the market. And that has been driving up these natural gas prices because you can't substitute one for the other in short order because we have insufficient delivery when they're all, they're all short. Um, and, you know, we're moving lots of stuffs, economy, lots of stuffs, stuff is moving around. The economy is doing well kind of globally. Um, we have planes flying again um, now that the Delta uh, variant seems to be rolling over in terms of number of illnesses. So people are starting to travel a little bit more for business travel. And we've already seen, you know, non-business travel doing well. Um, we've got a lack of drilling and mining, environmental concerns. Maybe there's a, a new wave of Delta might be fading, but there's a wave of, of uh, um, capital discipline in the U.S. shale patch. Companies not just spending willy nilly. Hurricane season isn't over. That slowed down energy production. I thought it'd be interesting to listen to see what Sandridge had to say on their most recent conference call. Indeed, their chief author, operating officer was a great name, Grayson Prannon. Grayson Prannon said on their August 11 Q2 call that sure enough, that they're kind of being careful. They're finding a capital discipline. They're being more careful on what they do and how they spend and where they drill, making sure it's economic. Here is chief operating officer, Grayson Prannon. Well, right now we do have you know, inventory that's economic, but you'll see us be a little bit more conservative in ensuring that we deliver a very high risk-adjusted fully burned return out to the shareholders um, as, as we re realize those success. So, you know, we're not going to drill in, you know, low double-digit return 
uh, property. So that uh, decision not to drill willy-nilly like uh, has happened in the past in shale producers means it's just not this, the, the fresh supply of natural gas right now as the economy is coming back so strong. That's why the price is soaring in natural gas, and that's why the price of some of these companies is soaring right now as well. They get cheap at the wrong time. Corey, what is your next drill down? Go-Go. Go-Go. I haven't used Go-Go in a while. Go-Go trades that are GOGO. Shares jumped over 37% today, and they've gained 82% in a year. What's, uh, what's happy at Go-Go? Well, I have never been happy using Go-Go. That's not entirely true. When Go-Go was the only game in town to get uh, service, Wi-Fi service, you were flying. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you like to be able to be online sometimes. I found the service was torture back in the day when Virgin America used to do a lot of Virgin America flights between San Francisco and LA and, and San Francisco and New York. And I, Go-Go was torture because it kept kicking. It just wasn't a very robust service. But company has expanded its service beyond just a commercial airline flights into private aviation uh, and other uh, services in the air. And interestingly, um, they came out today really um, contradicting what they had said in their August 5th earnings call, really saying that um, private travel is just, private air travel is picking up big time. They had said revenues are going to go up by about 10% on an annual basis over the next four years for them. Now they're saying it's 15%. Specifically, the CEO Oakley Thorne, another great name, CEO Oakley Thorne said that growth in private air travel is continuing to expand and that uh, in-flight connectivity uh, is replicating home and office connectivity in the air and that their sales are going to pick up, uh, especially their high margin service sales. Here's what he had to say on August 5th, because a lot of analysts were asking during their August 5th conference call after they reported a pretty decent quarter, saying, aren't you seeing a lot more? And specifically, what are you doing uh, with general aviation? What are you doing with Cirrus? You got a partnership with Cirrus for those those really cool uh, private jets, um, small family, you know, small jets often used by families and so on. Um, ever tell you the Apple model used to have a private uh, plane, a Cirrus plane? No. Yeah, she had a plane uh, with with a parachute in it. It was this crazy Cirrus SR20. I can't remember if she had the SR20 or SR22, but it was, it's a plane that actually has its own parachute. So if you really get into trouble, you yank and the whole plane kind of floats down in a parachute. That's kind of fun. It's like a, like a cartoon. Yeah, I don't I'm think sure that's I'm probably, sure it's just like a thrill ride. I think it's not fun. I think it's not fun at all. But she'd pack up the kids in the back and they would fly around uh, from the west to the east and the east to the west from their home to home. And in that Cirrus plane, it's a, they're really cool planes. And their Cirrus jets are also uh, really popular and uh, popular with the go-go system. Here's CEO Oakley Thorne talking about general aviation as yet another growth market for go-go. Uh, yeah, so general aviation, yeah, it's a very large market. The question is, you know, what is the revenue opportunity there for us? Um, and, uh, you know, I, we don't have a, a firm view on that. This is a, a um, it's kind of a learning experience for us. And um, the, uh, the, the the deal we have with Cirrus is, is, uh, is, you know, good for us from a financial perspective. Um, we are selling, you know, uh, we're selling mail equipment. At, uh, at our at our regular price, and they're putting it on their jets, um, you know, as ordered by their customers, and then they have a what I'd call sort of a, a macro service plan they sell to customers, 
um, that includes a whole bunch of things, and now we'll include connectivity as well. Uh, and then they're paying us for the connectivity. So we're we're very happy with the with the deal. Um, the uh, you know the question is are there other parts of the GA market that that might work? Um, and uh, you know we think there may be. Um, you know, but there are clearly out of 200,000 aircraft, there are a lot that are they're probably not an addressable market for us. So um, we're, we'll, we'll give more guidance later as we learn more about this. Uh, but it, the, the good news is it has opened it up for us, and it um, and and there are clearly pockets where where our products will work. So obviously, they think more about that market today. Only six weeks after that call, um, it's growing. General aviation growing, private aviation growing, all of it good for GoGo. I have noticed a trend among people, uh, my friends at least, of people opting to fly private. Have you noticed that? My friends aren't as fancy as your friends. These aren't fancy friends. It hasn't. The price has come down a lot on. on There's a lot. lot There actually are a lot of companies out there selling private uh, jet trips. A lot more of them, fractional shares, and so on. Mm -hmm, And and, uh, it's not the worst way to get around. No, no, it's not. From what I've heard, it's uh, the way to get around. (laughs) All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on. We've got a really interesting interview coming up here. Um, Zoom Info is a company that has come up with ways using data mining and machine learning and artificial intelligence. Yes, we push back on those terms every time we hear them. But this time, it's just a fascinating way for any business to find the customers they want to sell to and find them when they're ready to buy. Uh, interesting conversation with that CEO of Zoom Info. Henry Shuck joins us right after this. The Drill Down is brought to you by Braintrust, a global talent network that matches highly skilled technical freelancers with the world's most reputable brands. Braintrust has helped clients like Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Porsche, Under Armour, and more build agile tech teams fast at a fraction of the cost. Visit Braintrust.com, that's B-R-A-I-N-T-R-U-S-T.com to learn more. And The Drill Down is brought to you by Indeed. When you pay for a job site, you should know what you're getting, so get Indeed. Pay for quality candidates who meet your must-have requirements. Don't just hope for the perfect candidate. Indeed's hiring tools help you cut through the noise to hire faster and smarter with Indeed assessments, for example. You can choose from 135 skill tests. Help make sure you're finding applications from people with the skills you need. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, and one and a half time more hires than even internal referrals. So join more than three million businesses worldwide who use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Get started right now. Drill Down listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade their job post at Indeed.com slash Drill Down. That's right, a $75 credit, Indeed.com slash Drill Down, Indeed.com slash Drill Down. Offer valid through September 30th. It's coming up soon, Isaac. Terms and conditions apply. All right, welcome back to the Drill Down Podcast. As promised, Henry Schuck joins us right now. He is the CEO of Zoom Info. Henry, glad to have you. Um, Zoom Info is a fascinating company uh, in sort of where it sits in the the sales process. How do you describe what Zoom does? Zoom Info yeah. does, I should be clear. Yeah. Hey, Corey, it's good to see you. 
Um, yeah, we describe Zoom Info as a modern go-to-market platform. And really what that means is that we start at a data layer where we provide our customers, primarily sales and marketing professionals, with data and intelligence on their uh, next best customer. So information around the companies, the decision makers at those companies, and whether or not they're in market to buy your particular products or services. And then we have an application layer around that that feeds that data into the systems that sellers and marketers are using to go to market. It flags key insights on those accounts and then an application layer on top that allows them to engage with those buyers through digital means, whether that be email or phone call or display ads. It takes that data, it takes that signal, it connects it with their ideal customers, and then it puts some, a sales motion behind it. So I'm going to try to unpack that a little bit. So when I think about the listeners to this podcast, right, people ask me, who listens to your podcast besides your mom, Corey? And, uh, uh, and there are a lot of people. And and I describe them as as what they have in common is they're like, are they stock traders? No, they're they're business people who are interested in how business works. They're, but they're business decision makers. And I think that that's what our advertisers kind of go after is they're looking for people who decide where money is going to get spent. Um, but they're, but we have them in the aggregate. What we know about them individually is limited. You, you seem to know these people very individually. Um, talk to me about how that works. Yeah, so we certainly know their companies uh, individually, and then we know the person individually. And so, for example, let's sell, say I sell a you know cybersecurity software, and I want to know, and and you know I don't sell in the enterprise because I'm kind of a mid market player. I want to know every company that's uh, within a hundred mile radius of my territory. That's within uh, that's about a hundred to. 1,000 employees. And then of those companies, the ones that use Salesforce or Marketo as technologies in their stack are the best ones for me to focus on. So I want to know those too. Then of those, I want to know the ones that have received at least $50 million in funding. So now I have from from a company perspective, I have a very sort of targeted grouping of companies to focus on. Then within those companies, I don't sell to everybody. I don't sell to the CEO. I don't sell to the COO or the head of HR. I sell cybersecurity software. So I sell to the chief information security officer. I sell to the VP of information security, the VP of IT. So I want to know specifically who those people are. And then I want to know if those companies and those people, which ones of them are doing a lot of research on cybersecurity right now? Which ones of them have a cybersecurity project that's coming up within the next nine to 12 months? And once I have that really tight universe of folks, I want to start, I want to start uh, getting in front of them and engaging with them. I want to send them an email. I want to give, make a phone call. I want to put display ads in front of the key decision makers at those companies. And you know, from the data layer to the engagement layer, Zoom Info covers that entire spectrum from identifying the companies to identifying the people at those companies to giving you the key signals on when to reach out to them when they're in market. And then the digital technologies to actually engage. We provide provide all of that, all of that it's stuff. Really, so it's really sort of constricting the top of the funnel. Marketers love to talk about the funnel, right? So you want to, you want to, you want as, as many of the relevant people to begin your sales process, uh, but you want them as relevant as possible. Absolutely. And then you want to know, you know, some companies have the opposite problem. They have lots coming into the top of the funnel. You see a lot of these product-led growth companies who offer free trials to their products and services. And so people come on, they get a free trial, and they have lots in the top of the funnel. And then they don't know what to focus on because people sign up with their Gmail. They don't include their title. They don't know what kind of company it is. You don't know the technographic information of the company to know whether you should focus on them or not. And so part of what we offer from a solutions perspective is enrichment of all of that data 
data within the systems that matter. So whether you're, that data is now flowing into Salesforce or Marketo or Eloqua or Snowflake, we're enriching all of that data in real time so marketers and sellers can make the smart decisions about where to allocate resources around all of those leads coming into the top of the funnel. So when it comes to CRM, you're, you're sort of CRM platform agnostic. Doesn't matter if you're working with, with Salesforce or you're working with HubSpot or Eloqua or whatever. Yep, that's right. So we plug into all of those systems. Our customers do business out of HubSpot. They do it out of uh, Salesforce. They do it out of Microsoft Dynamics, which we recently announced a, a partnership with. They do it out of Snowflake. You know, we're seeing a lot of operations professionals today move their data from all of their systems into a into a data lake. They use Snowflake. They put all the data there, and then they make They surround it with a bunch of other data, and then they make decisions around what to focus on and when. And so we can sit right alongside any of those systems. And, and bring our intelligence to bear there. What is the technology behind gathering your data? In other words, not just where does it come from, but how do you get it from where it resides to, to your systems? Yeah, so uh, a great question. So we actually, so all of our Thank data- Thank you, that's sits, my job. <laughs> so all of our data sits inside of a solar cluster, um, Apache Solar. So all the, the data comes from a variety of different places. First, we index the B2B web. And so you can imagine, because we cover 100 million companies. Across those 100 million companies, every one that has, this is just an example, every one that has a leadership page. We go look at the leadership page today, and then we go back 30 days later, we look at it again, we compare them side by side, and then we flag if something's changed. Was someone removed? Was somebody added? Was a new bi biography included? That, and then we look at the technographic information on a website, what cookies uh, are rendering on a website, what's the back the back end code of a specific website that gives you clues into what technologies they're using. We look at job uh, postings to understand uh, what positions people are hiring and for what key skills and, uh, and what's key skills they're looking for. Are they looking for Salesforce administrators or CrowdStrike administrators? Um, and so that data plus two contributory networks that provide us contact and professional level data all flow into this uh, solar cluster. And then we bring, bring an evidence-based machine learning algorithm to bear against it. That, that algorithm is looking at, hey, if we just Wait, let me, saw- Let me unpack that phrase. Yeah. Let me unpack that phrase. An evidence-based machine learning algorithm. Yeah. And by the way, you're early in my plans to challenge anyone whenever they claim to be using artificial intelligence. I know yep. that you guys are in this case, but I want you to explain that evidence-based machine learning as yeah. opposed to imaginary uh, <laughs> machine learning? Yeah, or? I think like, so let me tell you how, I'll give you an example of how it works. So let's say uh, Cameron Heiser, he's our chief financial officer. He came to Zoom Info from a company called Ez. And so Cameron's record inside of Zoom Info says Cameron Heiser, at, before he comes to Zoom Info, Cameron Heiser, at Chief Financial Officer, S Software. We probably have hundreds of pieces of evidence about Cameron Heiser being Chief Financial Officer at S Software. And then all of a sudden, one day, from a contributory network, we see Cameron Heiser is actually Chief Financial Officer of Zoom Info. That's strange. It's recent, but it's weighed against all of this other evidence about Cameron Heiser from S Software. But our, our machine learning algorithm will go, okay, well, where did we see this new record come from? Is it a trustworthy record? Did it come from a source that we trust? Is it a highly valid source that says he's now CFO of Zoom Info? And then did we see any other corresponding data that helps us decide whether we should unpublish Cameron as CFO of Ez and republish him as CFO of Zoom Info? So for example, customers who integrate with their marketing automation systems with Zoom Info, they send us the bounced records and the 
delivery confirmation records of all the emails they send, hundreds of millions of emails. It's just exhaust data that they don't care much about. But for us, if we're able to marry Cameron Heiser as CFO of Zoom Info, which with a bunch of bounced emails to Cameron Heiser's as software email, huh. that machine learning engine can make sense of that. It can say, you know what? Valid source plus this other piece of evidence, we're going to unpublish Cameron as CFO of S Software and publish him as CFO of Zoom Info. And it's making millions of those decisions every single day across 150 million business professionals and 100 million companies in our, uh, in our coverage universe. It's got to be fun to sort of sit around a room and say, how can we, how can we make this better? How can we tighten this up? What if, what if we've compared this data file that's complete, it looks like it's, you know, there, there were the yellow pages or whatever, the white pages file, right? They changed their address and, and something else as if that white pages still exist. But, you know, compare sort of different data sets to try to figure out which are more true. And totally. then write some machine learning uh, uh, algorithms around that. It's going to be we fun. We have data science teams that do this all the time. What's really interesting is like, we'll find a source and we'll feel like, okay, let's go look at this source. We take it in. No source can just be taken and published inside of Zoom Info. And we actually have 300 researchers who are providing that ground truth data. And so any number of different sources we look at may be really good for one thing and really bad right. for another thing. They may be really good for enterprise companies and really poor for SMB companies companies. And so then they're scoring those different sources against what they're actually valid for and then plugging that into the algorithm so that if you see this come from that source, you can trust it. But if you see this come from that source, don't trust it. It's a really interesting, uh, it's a really interesting job that they have here. So uh, uh, explain to me how it could be done poorly. Like if, you, if you'd screwed this up and maybe you have screwed it up, hopefully probably, probably yeah, like anybody I'm, else, you have screwed it up before you got it right. Yeah. When it's screwed up, what does it look like? Uh, by the way, we're finding like different areas that it's not fully optimized every day anyways. Truly. So we're constantly tuning this engine. But I'll just give you a dumb example. In that same example, you have Cameron Heiser, a CFO of S Software. And then, and then all of a sudden we see a record come in today. It's very recent. And it says Cameron Heiser is CFO of Applebee's. And we go, oh, well, we just saw it. So that's recent. Publish that. And so you could create a really bad algorithm that just says, hey, whatever the most recent source is that comes in, take that and publish it. And what you end up seeing is there are all sorts of bad sources that pour in all sorts of bad data sure. into the system. And unless you're making sense of it and really balancing a good source against a bad source um, and, and uh, you know, uh, amount of source, amount of data that you're seeing, you can get some really bad outcomes. So you can't have a first in, first out algorithm. It just turns out he likes to eat at Applebee's. Yes, right. Yeah. Or Frequently. he was cited why, in an article that talked about Applebee's. Or there's another Cameron Heiser who works at Applebee's. Um, when you guys went public compared to now, you're, what you've just, and I'm, I'm not a big believer, I'll, full disclosure, in, in TAMPS. I always think uh -huh. they're kind of ridiculous. But your TAM has gone through the roof since your IPO, and I wonder how you justify that. Yeah, so first of all, we've done a number of acquisitions since we IPO'd, I think uh, five acquisitions, and those acquisitions have extended us into new markets. We've also released a bunch of new products. So here's a great example. When we IPO'd, we were primarily focused on the sales and marketing buyer. Since IPO, we released, uh, we released a new platform for recruiters. It's called Zoom Info Recruiter. That platform is designed to help uh, talent acquisition professionals build a, build a candidate pipeline and engage with candidates in a digital way. 
That's a whole new market. It didn't exist at IPO. It's a new platform that we've built. We've been building. We built organically and launched that, you know, I'm, I'm with you, Corey. I don't love like the, you know, mental gymnastics people do to create more <laughs> TAM, but in this situation, that's just more TAM. It's a bigger market and it's a market we weren't focused on when we IPO'd. We bought a chat company, B2B chat company. That's a market we never played in pre-IPO. We acquired a conversation intelligence company. That's a huge and growing market that we just didn't play in when we IPO'd. And so these new solutions that we're bringing to market coupled with M&A that we're doing, they're just expanding our total addressable market in an objective way. All right, I'll give you that. Well, what so what is it like for you to hire right now? I mean, you're hiring some of the kinds of talents that are the hardest to get in the marketplace. And, and, you know, we've got all kinds of heck, our advertisers on the show are talking about this, uh, you know, try to hire better, hire smarter, hire faster, you know, hire in a marketplace, hire in a, for full-time jobs. It sounds like it's really tough to get these people right now. It is a challenging uh, hiring environment. Uh, we have a really great talent acquisition team that uses data and digital technologies to identify new talent. I'll tell you just philosophically, one of the things that I believe today and I tell our leaders is, you know, we're not a startup anymore where we have to like scrap and look for talent in weird places. We have the benefit today of being public, of growing, of hiring, having a high profile, uh, being able, we ha we're in a position to be able to hire any talent that we want. And so we have no excuse anymore for having mediocre talent or for not hiring the best people in all of the positions that we're hiring for. It is a process today that's more challenging. It takes more outreach, more advertising, more um, intentional recruiting strategies than it has been before. But today, we should be able to find and hire anybody we want at, a comp at our company with the scale that we have, this, the pace that we're growing, the culture that we've built. Um, and so we're still, you know, we're still hiring at a very aggressive pace. Well, and you're growing at that aggressive pace, too. It's such an interesting company. Zoom Info CEO Harvey Shuck joining us uh, right now, and we do appreciate it, Harvey. Thank you very much. So uh, coming up, we're going to take a look at uh, Harvey. Listen to me. Henry Shuck. I swear, I, it's, it, I was dropped in my head as a child. Maybe that's in your database, Henry. <laughs> the listeners know. Hey, coming up with the drill, I'm going to have the drill on bite that one number that tells us a whole lot. Let's look at the growth of this company, which has been really dramatic. It's on a pace to do about $700 million a year on an annualized run rate. But how fast is it growing? Way fast. How fast that number is the drill down bite, and we'll have it right after this. The Drill Down is brought to you by Era. With Era, give yourself an information advantage. Connect directly to earnings calls and other investor events with live transcription and event intelligence. That's Era, A-I-E-R-A dot -E com. And we hope you make the Drill Down a regular listen for you every day. One of the ways to do that on your smart speaker is turn to your smart speaker and say, play the Drill Down podcast and you'll hear our latest show. And let us know what companies you think we should be drilling down on. Talk to us on Twitter and Instagram by following at Drill Down Pod and connect with us directly at our website, bizpod.net. Right, we're back with the Drill Down Bite, that one number that tells us a whole lot. Zoom Info is doing about $700 million in an annualized revenue run rate and growing hella fast, Isaac, as we say here in the Bay Area. That's a 57% year-over-year revenue growth rate. Um, so really kind of explosive growth for this already quite big company. And that's pretty good, right? Yeah, and with some big, you know, it's good <laughs> with some really big customers, right? So it's very good. An in, in yeah. interesting, fast-growing company um, on the technological edge of data. We love it. 
right, you've been listening to the Drill On Podcast. I'm Corey Johnson. Isaac Webster is our executive producer. Ben Wilson is our editor extraordinaire. The Drill On is a production of the Business Podcast Network.